0: I've had to save my voice this morning because I normally sing myself hoarse. (laughs) So I've been restraining myself. So as Rob said, if you've not seen our faces before, it's because we have been meeting on Zoom since mid-December to shield one of our family members. Um, And we're coming to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, if you can make sure that you've got it in front of you. One of the things that I think is most incredible about the Bible is the innate power of the Holy Spirit in those words to bring life, to bring conviction, to bring change. So it is my prayer this morning that God will speak to our hearts and bring transformation. It's so good to sorry, a Zoom people, hello. I know what it's like being out on Zoom and feeling really disconnected. It's so lovely to see faces. <laughs> I've missed you. So, um, um, I—I'm sure you all know, if you are believers, that there are seasons in life where you're really well watered, and you might feel like you're on top of a mountain, and everything's good, and you're feeling on fire for God, and you're reading your Bible, and you're praying passionately. And then there are those seasons of of drought, aren't there, where where it's dry, and um, you don't feel in that place. And I would long to be speaking from the former position where I feel on fire and full of Jesus. Um, And instead, I've been through quite a long dry season in the last year and a year and a half. Um, But Tabby, she's not here, is she? Oh, she brought a word in January about someone feeling like a rocket that was wanting to be up in the atmosphere Um, But God was saying now's the time to be on the ground, and I really identified with that And it was such an encouragement if anyone sees her, please tell her I did say at the time I messaged her and said it's not the same as seeing someone in person how encouraging it is Um, however God's power is not contingent on how I am feeling (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) So he can speak whatever I feel like, whether I feel on fire or dry. (laughs) Praise God. So I'm speaking today, um, and I do feel really, really honored, say thank you, Keith, (laughs) for letting me, because of all the Bible, Colossians is my favorite book. And of all the chapters in Colossians, chapter three, for me, is the pinnacle, and um, I feel—use your imagination here—that what I'm bringing this morning with these verses is like a precious jewel. You won't be able to see that on Zoom; it it's just looks like a sparkly gem. But imagine a really sparkly jewel, or if you like food, imagine that this is a banquet of the finest tastes that you're going to savor just my personal opinion, but these are fantastic verses. And I'm just going to preface this by saying as well that every single verse here could be 30 minutes. So I'm going to do, I've got a timer running. I'm going to do really, try really hard to um, do the whole lot (laughs) in about 30 minutes. So I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It's a little bit more easy to understand um, from verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so must you forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach And counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts and whatever you do or say do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to him to God through him to God the Father so I've split this into two halves I'm just going to take the first three verses and we're just going to dip into them it's like putting a paintbrush in a pot and putting a splodge on the wall. But each could be a picture in its own right. So the first verse, verse 12, I've split into two parts. And the first two words are chosen, therefore. So I think you all know, I hope you all know that God chose you. He picked you. He's got history with you and your purposes in him since before you even existed. And that is really, really good news because everything that follows might feel hard if we didn't have the hope of that. So Ephesians 1 tells us, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So that is phenomenal. That is the big picture. And Jesus is the big picture. God the Father has this plan, but also each brushstroke of that picture is Jesus too. And the equipping of the Holy Spirit so when we look at these verses that come next we are looking in the mirror and it's not going to be pretty for a lot of us it's definitely not pretty for me but we have to remember that it's about Jesus and Jesus in us so the first thing is what are you wearing how are you attired we're not talking about clothes How does our everyday life look? These verses are difficult. Verse 12, after talking about chosen, therefore, talk about being long-suffering. God and his grace, I don't think, shows us the extent of our sinfulness because we couldn't bear it. We get glimpses, don't we? I know now I am far more flawed, selfish, and self-serving than I thought I was when I was 18. I'm gonna read those verses 12 to 14 from the message version. It just gives you a different feel. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love it's your basic all-purpose garment never be without it so into some of the nitty-gritty verse 13 I'm gonna flit around a little bit talks about making allowances for one another's faults and I'm just gonna read something from the theology of work Bible commentary An encouraging word comes from Paul's exhortation to put up with one another, Colossians 3.13, as it may be translated. Most translations read, bear with one another. But this does not fully fully capture Paul's point. He seems to be saying that there are all kinds of people in the church, and we can readily apply this to, to the workplace as well, with whom we won't naturally get along our interests and personalities are so different there can be no instinctive bonding but we put up with them anyway i can see you all looking at me (laughs) we seek their good (laughs) we forgive their sins and we endure wait for it their irritating idiosyncrasies Many of the character traits Paul extols in his letters can be summarized in the phrase, he or she works well with others. I really like that phrase, instinctive bonding. Now, you know that thing where you meet someone and you start talking and you really hit it off? That natural connection? Anyone ever get that? Yeah? If it was down to me, that is the only kind of relationship I would have in my life. Because I really like to be understood. Anyone that knows me knows I like to be understood. I like to explain why (laughs) I feel things. In the church, somehow, and it's got to be for God's glory this, there's a lot of connections that don't contain that instinctive bonding. And I I alluded to the fact that I'm so much more aware of how much in need I am of Jesus and and these words now than I was when I was 18. So for anyone who doesn't know much about my life, I do feel like I need to explain myself now. I have twin sons and James is here and one of them is at home this morning. Uh, And Mo, um, I have been Mo's carer for 17 years and a lot of my care for Mo has been extensive sleep deprivation at night Um, i get a lot more sleep currently but something that you learn when you are sleep deprived is how flawed you really are (laughs) and the thing about god giving me mo who is um For anyone who's not met him he's quadriplegic he's got cerebral palsy he's blind he can't talk Um, so his life and caring for him is often more than I can bear and it makes me want to run but my love for him as a mum is so intense that it makes me stay and that tension of feeling the need to run and yet the desire to stay often grates against each other. So I used to think when I was younger that I was a patient person. And I have found out that's not true. <laughs> um, so Matthew Henry says some really challenging things about these verses in Colossians. So I'm just going to pick them out. And I feel really unqualified to speak about them and so if they're hard-hitting for you remember jesus in us covers us with grace so the first one is from the second half of verse 12 and that's the word long suffering matthew henry says many can bear a short provocation who are weary of bearing it when it grows long But we must suffer long both the injuries of men and the rebukes of divine providence. If God is long-suffering to us under all our provocations of him, we should exercise long-suffering to others in like cases. Verse 13, uh, there's this word forbearing we tend to use the word bear with one another. I think you'll probably see that in your version, but forbearing, I think, is where that word came from. I'm not an English scholar, so I don't know. But Matthew Henry says, we have all of us something which needs to be born with. And this is a good reason why we should bear with others in what is disagreeable to us. We need the same good turn from others which we are bound to show them. Are you feeling uncomfortable yet? Because here comes the challenge. <laughs> Verse 13 also, forbear and forgive. A readiness to forgive others. I, I really am not qualified to say these words. Matthew Henry said, while we are in this world, where there is so much corruption in our hearts and so much occasion of difference and contention, quarrels will sometimes happen, even among the elect of God who are holy and beloved, as Paul and Barnabas had a sharp contention, which parted them asunder, there's a great word, one from the other in Acts 15, verse 39, and Paul and Peter in Galatians 2, 14. But it is our duty to forgive one another in such cases, not to bear any grudge, but put up with the affront and pass it by. I'm just gonna say a note on this, you know, it's easy to talk about forgiveness when you're talking about other people. (laughs) But when you're the one that's wronged, it's much harder, isn't it? And a few years ago, we were really wronged by someone in the church. Not, it wasn't this church. Not that it would make any difference. That doesn't invalidate the example. I'm sure there are cases here. What I mean to say is, because I know this passage, and I've lived with it for a long time, because I've lived this passage since I was 18, and I'm now a bit older than that, when this person in the church had really, really wronged us, The Holy Spirit just dropped those words into my heart. Forgive readily. Readily. That's quick. It's prompt. Not stewing about it for a week. Not waiting until that initial emotion subsides. Forgive readily. I don't have the answers, but I think it's Jesus. (laughs) I'd also just like to say a note that the world takes all the concepts that not all of them but some of the concepts in the Bible and makes them their own so I noticed on social media in the last couple of years there's some quotes going around about forgiveness and the thing about the world's version of things is they take Jesus out and they put self in so you hear you read things on social media like forgive because otherwise it will hurt you and it will damage you you know and it's kind of like a a self-righteous self-righteous but it's all about me but for us as believers who've got Jesus in us, it isn't about because it will do us harm. Yes, that's a byproduct. We forgive because we've been forgiven much. And verse 14, what does love look like? So the message said that beautiful thing. Regardless of what else you put on, wear love. Love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Jesus said in John 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I just wanted to mention a quick story um, A few years back, I know this will excite James if I say his name, but James was out with a carer in Chester. And as often happens, he sees people from the church and then sometimes he can't remember who they are or what the names are and it can take us weeks or months to find out who it was. Anyway, this occasion, the carer came, brought him home again and said, we've seen someone from church. And then he said... He didn't look like a churchgoer. <laughs> and it was such a great opportunity, okay, because what does the church look like? Yeah? And I said to him, What does a churchgoer look like? <laughs> and then, I'll tell you who it was, it was Colin Dickinson. Yeah. I was able to say straight away and I know I told a few of you it was only 2020 this happened I said do you know what Colin is one of the very few people I know that when he comes to church and Morgan's here that's Mo call him, Morgan call him Mo the same person I'm referring to he always comes up to him He's, he talks to him he has a little chat That, for me, is Jesus. Jesus stooped and took attention, paid attention to us. My son can't talk back. He can't see you. But Colin shows love. And I was able to say to that person, that's what love looks like. That's what the church looks like. So let's move on um, to section two. So this is verses 15 to 17. And please excuse me if I start to get a bit excited now, because out come the treasures, out come the exquisite tastes of the banquet. And again, I'm just going to try and restrain myself and dip into them. So verse 15, we're going to have peace acting as umpire. Verse 16, the place of God's word and worship. And verse 17, Jesus' dependence. So, I said before that I fell in love with these verses when I was 18 and there's a little story to go there. So, I was away with a team of young people and we were camping, which I I don't like camping. Anyone that knows me knows I don't like camping, so this is a big thing. Um, (laughs) And um, I don't know if any of you up here will have heard of Don Double and the Good News Crusade. That's who we were with, and they put on these Bible weeks. So this was in the 80s and 90s, Um, and I'd been going to the Bible weeks since I was 11 years old, and there was a tremendous sense of God's presence there. It was just sort of the tail end of the charismatic wave of renewal that swept through the church in the 1970s. And I was born in the 70s, and that grew up in that And I don't know if any of you will have heard of some of the speakers that were around, so I'll I'll just mention a few names. Judson Cornwall. Yeah, Dan Sneed. Derek Prince. uh, Benson Idahosa. Anyone come across him? Yeah? I think he was Nigerian. He passed away in 1996. Um, Worship leaders such as Rob Newey. The the Reapers, who had records, vinyl. If you don't know what that is, ask your mum and dad later. Um, Jonathan Conrath who used to lead worship. Um, Yinka, who um, I know some of you have met, who's involved in prayer and mission and all sorts. And so there was a a team of 100 young people, and we were away for four weeks. And so there'd be like a, a setting up week, and then there'd be a Bible week where all the campers came from different churches around the UK. And then we'd move location, and there'd be another setting up week, and then there'd be another Bible week. So that was the format and I was staying in a tent with three other girls from my church, which includes uh, Rachel Spencer, who's now Rachel Kerry. Some of you know Stephen and Rachel Kerry. So she was at my home church, so we were camping together. And this was 1991, okay, so it's different now, guys. If you went away in 1991, you were away, there were no mobile phones, So I actually had to ring home in a thing. I know someone mentioned this in the last couple of weeks, a thing called a phone box where you dialed home to get my A-level results. Um, Because I had them posted to my mum and she opened the envelope. Anyway, that's not the story. So I was packing my suitcase for the month and I had to make this decision between which I couldn't take both Bibles because he only had one suitcase and I like to read my NIV and then there was this brand new interesting Bible called the Amplified and I was like which do I take which do I take now I only used to dip into this but I used to read my NIV regularly this is really wordy for anyone who doesn't know the Amplified so I decided I just take the, I'd take the meat and that is when I absolutely, so, you know, I always talk about the Amplified Bible. Anyone that's ever listened to me, Lizzie's nodding. So that's when I fell in love with the Amplified Bible at the age of 18, and then I never went back. So, <clears throat> so from the Amplified, uh, there's this great phrase peace acting as umpire. Other versions will say, let peace rule. And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ rule. Act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's one body, you've all finished reading, haven't you? You were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. You see, you get loads more words, and I loved it. So, oh, by the way, when I took that Bible, it was, like, new and exciting. Now, do you know what it's called? Dave will know. It's called the Amplified Classic. That doesn't make me feel old at all because they've updated it since. And now there's a a new version. So I'm I'm referring to the classic version. And, And I love those words with finality, settling with finality, those things that arise in our minds and hearts. When God says something, it's the final word, isn't it? That's the rock we cling to. That's the hope we stand on. We need daily communion with Jesus. The new version, I had a little look what the new Amplified says. It says, Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your heart." So I quite like that as well. We need to talk to God. We need to know him. His peace will lead us. His peace is the voice above anxiety. So that, what does an umpire do? Peace acting as umpire, the OED, Oxford English Dictionary says, a person who arbitrates between two contending parties. How often does your mind feel like two contending parties? But we need to walk with Jesus and let his peace lead us. Moving on, verse 16. This is a biggie for me. The place of God's word and the place of worship. So I'm going to read it from the Amplified first. Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah, have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom in spiritual things and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs making melody to God with his grace. In your hearts. The message says, Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, Ben, sing your hearts out to God. I say, Ben, because that's what I see whenever Ben's singing. Sing your hearts out to God. So the place of the Bible has got to be central. We've got to give it room. So easy to be busy. I know this. We're really busy at the moment. We're getting ready to move house. It's really hard to make room. (laughs) But we have to give it room. Yes, we have busy seasons. Yes, it can fall out of habit and routine. We have to keep coming back, don't we? Giving it room. Inner life leads to outward actions. All those things we read in the first three verses, they come from the word, having that central place in our hearts and minds. Matthew Henry, once again, very challenging. He says, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. The gospel is the word of Christ which has come to us, but that is not enough. It must dwell in us or keep house, not as a servant in a family who is under another's control, but as a master who has a right to prescribe to and direct all under his roof. We must take our instructions and directions from it and our portion of meat and strength of grace and comfort in due season, as from the master of the household it must dwell in us, that is, be always ready and at hand to us in everything and have its due influence and use. Oh, there's more coming from Matthew Henry. Many have the word of Christ dwelling in them, but it dwells in them, but poorly. It has no mighty force and influence upon them. The soul prospers when the word of God dwells in us richly. Amen? When we have an abundance of it in us and are full of the scriptures and of the grace of Christ. Don't feel condemned if you're not feeling like you're in that place. You know, you're, you're listening to someone speaking from the dry season. Remember that. But we want to be filled, don't we? Filled afresh. Second half of verse 16, the place of worship. I'm just going to speak about music for a moment. I am musically really impressionable. I'm hoping there's others out there. Do you ever get tunes stuck in your head? Do you ever have like a soundtrack going on in your life? Rob bought me some ABBA albums for Christmas. I liked a bit of ABBA when I was younger. Um, And I just sold all my cassettes when we were clearing out the loft. Again, if you don't know what a cassette tape is, ask your mum and dad. but I found during a very stressful January, as I was packing boxes and sorting things ready for moving house, I had, you know, Waterloo going around my head. I don't want to start getting them in your head, so um, I'll stop there. But, you know, all these, and Rob was singing them as well, and I was like, do you know what? Good music is fine, but it doesn't feed my soul. And I just had to stop, take it out of the car, say, I need to put worship on because I'm really stressed at the moment, I need that place of praise and worship. So if that soundtrack, whatever it is, I got um, Baby Shark stuck in my head the other day, if anyone knows it, because James had been watching it on Milkshake, and it was with me for ages. You know, if you get things like that stuck in your head and it's not helpful, put on a praise tape, go on YouTube, get something good, and I tell you what, Rob and I... We're absolutely passionate, as I know others are here, about the word-filled songs. You know, none of this, me, 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 you know, it's got to be about Jesus. It's got to edify us, hasn't it? Sorry, I'm on my soapbox now, aren't we? Um, I wanted to say as well, if you permit me, I'm running over time already, but don't worry, it won't be too long now. We're getting there. We've only got one more verse to go. Um, But... um, In 2014, I faced a really difficult circumstance. It was multiple circumstances, but our son Mo was going through, was about to go through major surgery, a double hip reconstruction. And I was really, you know, you know when you just don't want to go through something, you just don't want to go through it. It was really hard. And the thought of it was really hard. And God spoke to me and he said, the way through is praise. And worship, he said, make a highway, you know. And that journey took—I know some of you know what it was like back then—and yeah. And we had a very dear friend who was very ill at the same time, and there was a lot going on. But God said, and I shared this with Sue at the time, God saying, "Gotta make a highway of praise and worship. That's what will lead us through. God, in His goodness, will lead us through." Um. I'm looking at the time to see if I can uh, say one more thing about that. We all right for time? One more more thing before I move on to verse 17. It was just, uh, again, I'm going to show my age now. So I don't know if there's any vintage Christians that will remember this, but I don't actually remember the original, but there was apparently a group called the Imperials. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. And then uh, I know someone that covered a song by them, and I I remembered it last week, and the the lyrics are fantastic. So I'm just going to... Read some of the lyrics. Some of you will know the song then. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord, for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you. They drop powerless behind you when you praise him. I've been singing that song all week. And I'll read verse 2. Now Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself we're children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won We know that Jesus Christ has risen, so the work's already done. There's a tremendous crescendo with the music at that point. Praise the Lord, he can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you they drop powerless behind you when you praise him, amen. Right, I am over time, sorry Keith. Verse 17, Jesus' dependence. Now this is actually, for me, the most exquisite verse, so I'm gonna have to be very restrained. It's the finest part of the banquet. Verse 17, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, and in dependence upon his person, giving praise, to God the Father, through him. I just want to share with you, when I was 18, and I was away with those 100 people, do you know, I'm actually really grateful that nobody here in this room knew me when I was 18. I met Rob when I was 19. (laughs) So he knows me best. If you think... That i am stubborn and strong-willed and opinionated now there's been 30 years of god's grace at work since i was 18 and my poor mother had to contend with a very stubborn strong-willed child and i refused to help her in the kitchen because i didn't want to and i left home at 18 i didn't know how to cook apart from a few things i'd learned in school where i had to And on that team that I was serving with in 1991, 100 people, there was a rotation of tasks. And, you know, there were tasks I did not mind doing, like cleaning toilets, okay, that kind of thing. That was fine. I would rather have cleaned toilets. But I was given the job with the catering team. And I want you to imagine someone who does not want and would not do this for a family of four. This is quite a large potato. I don't know how many potatoes, not baking potato size, I mean normal size, you would peel to serve 100 people. There were two of us. It was the most tedious, boring, repetitive task. And it took us hours. And I had my Amplified Bible with me, you know, because I could only fit that one in the suitcase. And I'd read this verse, verse 17, no matter what you do, whether it is in word or deed, do everything, do everything. And I believe with my whole heart, Lord, I'm going to peel Potatoes for 100 people for you. And I have to tell you, it, the total transformation took place. I peeled potatoes as an act of worship. And that has been a foundation, foundational lesson. Some of you know what my life consists of. But whatever God has called you to, if we do it, You know, whether it's something we want to do or not, whether it's something we want to be or not, you know, whether you're pursuing your dreams or life has made choices for you, it's within God's providence. I'm not being, you know, worldly when I say that. We do everything for Jesus' independence on him. And there is a joy that comes when we do it for him. And I am over time, so I'm just going to wrap up now. I'm going to miss a few things out. Thanks, James. So I just want to draw those thoughts together. (laughs) You are chosen. Yeah? What are you wearing? Walk with Jesus daily to find his peace, acting as umpire make god's word dwell richly habitually sing and praise god and be jesus dependent and take his life into everything everywhere amen